I'm Elena Lansberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move, the podcast that kicks old stereotypes to the curb. Come meet these creative, outrageous, authentic, adventurous, irreverent, and powerful disruptors and influencers. Grandmothers, from the living room to the courtroom, making powerful contributions in every walk of life. We know them most intimately as loving caregivers, the older women in our lives with a thousand stories about their grandchildren and pictures in their purses. In this podcast, you'll come to know even more about our grandmothers. They are galvanized, determined, and are guaranteed to get you thinking. What drives them? What are they up to? What is the potential of grandmother power, and how is it changing the world? Grandmothers are on the move. You don't want to be left behind. Hello, it's Elena. Welcome back to Grandmothers on the Move. As you can tell, friends, I have a bad cold, but that can't stop those of us who are on the move, so we're foraging ahead. I've been wanting to speak to a grandmother who's involved in business, something far outside my bailiwick. And I have to admit, I've had the darndest time finding someone. I'm sure there are lots of grandmother entrepreneurs out there. And today, I am extremely pleased to introduce you to Gail Zalitsky. Gail is a premier business coach for entrepreneurs. She has built million-dollar businesses, one of them the groundbreaking worldwide internet company Liquor by Wire and Liquor.com. And as an adjunct professor at the University of Illinois at Chicago, she created and taught four MBA courses, amongst them gender equity in the workplace. She's engaged in extensive nonprofit work and is the creator of Wonder Women Mastermind, something we're definitely going to talk about today. Welcome, Gail. It's so wonderful to have you on Grandmothers on the Move today. Thank you, Ilana. I'm so happy to be here. I was going through some of the notes on your background, and you've owned extremely successful businesses, and I suspect that you've been a mentor and a guide to so many women. And I wondered if we could start this way. What is the most interesting dimension of the challenges in entrepreneurship as a woman, and particularly, Gail, as a a mature woman? (laughs) Oh, my goodness. (laughs) That's a loaded question, Alana. Every year I have been in business has been a year of learning for me. And everything I thought I knew when I started out, let's say it's been proven to be not as smart as I thought I was. (laughs) 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 And so every year I continue to learn. And the insights that I've gained in working in so many industries, I mean, I've been coaching for 20 years as a business coach, working primarily with women entrepreneurs, working with men as well. And my previous careers in the liquor industry were where those multi-million dollar businesses were formed. And I just have learned so much about what it takes really to grow your own business, your personality, the way that you approach things, your perspective, the way that you think, everything plays into whether or not you're a successful entrepreneur. We move in very different worlds, you and I, but of course, there's always an intersection and a shared reality around women's experience in every sector. And I I couldn't help noticing that you taught an MBA course at the University of Illinois in Chicago on gender equity in the workplace, which immediately caught my attention because it's something I'm deeply interested in. And I know that it's quite rare to have senior women entrepreneurs who are visible in leadership roles in the private sector community. And I wondered if you could talk a little bit about that and what do you say 
to women in the private sector now? You know, when I first started out working with women many, many, many years ago, right? So maybe 20 years as a business coach, but certainly I grew up in a man's industry. The liquor industry was 99% male. Right. And I had a totally different opinion about it than I do today. When I was participating in that man's world, I always felt as though I could accomplish anything I wanted to accomplish. I realized there was an old boys network that I was never going to be a part of, but I felt as though I was treated with respect and for the most part had, you know, no negative experiences. In part, that may have been because I worked with my father and he was extremely respected in the industry. Mm-hmm. And so I think I was perceived as someone that was hands off, right? right? And so while I could get myself into trouble because of myself, I never really got into trouble because of something a man did. And I, I just always was very direct and felt that I could speak my mind. As I have been coaching women over this period of time, I realized that I came from a very different perspective than a lot of women and that it isn't easy to be a woman in business if you are not of the mindset initially that you get to speak your piece, that you do not have to do anything just to get ahead, that you can walk away and find something else. So many women are under the estimation that they really don't have a choice. And so since I've been coaching women, I really go right to that, that they need to stand in their own power. They get to choose. They can walk away. They will find something else. There are ways to do that and trying to empower them to think they're the ones in charge. Nobody else is. Well, let me go back. You mentioned the the, uh, gender equity course. Yes. Yeah. And that was very eye-opening because I had a number of students in the class who, women, who were in pharma who were in larger corporations. And to a one, they all felt the way I just described, that they did not have a choice, that they had to put up with nonsense. They had to put up with male ego, kowtowing to men in order to get where it was that they wanted to go. And so we had really interesting conversations about that. I hadn't really thought about it until you just brought it up again. But I remember that there was one woman in particular who we worked with as a group to help find a way out of the situation that she was in. And it was a real eye-opener for me. I'm always learning from the people I teach, from the people I coach. And I think that makes me a better teacher and coach as I move on. I think I'm so much more in tune with what's really happening today than I ever was when I was young. That resonates for me, Gail, because I work in such a different context, and yet I benefit enormously from the stories and the experiences and the different lenses that women have and share with me. And each time I think I know something and I work with another group of women, I realize there's yet more to learn. And maybe that's an interesting way to get into something that you had mentioned in your notes that I was quite interested in. You're a founder of something called Wonder Women Mastermind. (laughs) I love the name. I don't even really know what it means. I'm hoping you'll tell me, (laughs) but I just love the name. And I know that you, in many ways, had blazed your own trail. What was your impetus for starting this group? Yes. So it 
has an interesting path. I've always done group coaching throughout these 20 years and have found it very satisfying. I'm a facilitator and a teacher and an instructor support coach for another organization. I just love group work. I find it fascinating. And I read an article. It was entitled The Wonder Year. And it said, are you feeling world weary? Restore your sanity and humanity in 2018 through the power of curiosity, openness, and awe. And I thought, wow, the whole Me Too movement that's happening right now with women. And I thought, this is our year of power. And it's the power of curiosity, of openness and awe. And that every change starts with a question. How can we change things? Where does this lead? What's possible? What's next? How do we examine our lives and challenge our assumptions and say to each other, can you help me understand? And I suddenly realized that that's what I wanted to do. I wanted to work with really mature women business owners who have employees, who have successful ongoing businesses, but who have a lot left to do, who are feeling as though they can be a force for change. And how, how do we do that? Maya Angelou says, if you get, give. If you learn, teach. And I think that was all the impetus for starting Wonder Women. This is the year of the Wonder Woman, right? So, you know, I asked a lot of questions. What's still to be done? What does transition look like? What kind of legacy do you want to leave? Are you concerned about a succession plan? Do you want to take on more? And then the Women's March drove home to me that we are the legacy leaders. So I took a step at it, and early this year, I launched Wonder Women Mastermind, and it's really a thing of beauty. I can imagine. In my role as the director of a a charitable Mm -hmm. foundation, I've been really moved, actually, because I, I didn't come from the world of the private sector, and I didn't really try in the initial years to engage with people in the private sector. I use the term very broadly. Yes, uh, I, didn't, I didn't know enough about it and I didn't think they'd be interested in the kind of social justice work that we were engaged in, which is focused hugely on women and women's role. And I was very moved over the years that I had a steady parade, I'll call them, of women, senior executives, right up there in the upper echelons who were coming into my office saying, I've achieved so much and just came through my office wanting to expand their ability to engage engage. It's really powerful, I think, in this moment. I think so too. And I don't just think, I know. I've experienced many women who feel like there is truth to our being the torchbearers. We don't do it. Who's going to do it? And so these women, even though they've been in business 20 years, they're still very much active in their businesses and still continuing to grow them. The changed thinking I see is that they realize that they can impact a greater audience and that they can do good and want to do good. And that comes around in in many ways. For a woman who owns her own business to do good, she has to be successful. She has to be in a position where the everyday operation of the business is handled by someone else so that she can be out there serving on boards, having a greater impact in your community. It's the way that you work with your employees. It's how you think of them as family. So there are lots of different ways as a woman business owner that you can accomplish your goals through some charitable foundations that you work for or some charities that you support. 
you find that it can be kind of lonely to be the CEO of a small business. And so you now are seeking out like-minded women who have and face the issues that you face and you want to be with them. So the mastermind is very different from a networking event because we tear apart our businesses. We, we kind of tear apart our personalities. We do. <laughs> that sounds we, terrifying. We, we, <laughs> We really get into the nitty gritty of what needs to be done, what's holding us back, and what's the right move. And it can be pretty difficult to face that maybe you're not doing something quite the way you think you're doing it. True. Although I do think that gets easier as one gets older in a position of leadership. We we don't have to prove ourselves right all the time anymore. Right. (laughs) Right. Well, okay, so let's switch gears for a moment. I do want to talk about grandmotherhood in the midst of all of this. And (laughs) I wonder, Gail, what do you hope that your grandchildren learn from your life's work? Does that affect the way that they see you or that you relate with them? I think that it can't help but but relate to them. Now, if I may give you just a little bit of background. Please. I was married for 15 years and had three children. We were divorced. And then I was married for almost 30 years to, I will say, the love of my life. And he had four children. So we had seven children. We were never the Brady Bunch. And and, uh, unfortunately, his oldest son passed away very early at a very early age. And so our family was, oh, you know, like so many families are, quite a bit dysfunctional. (laughs) Meanwhile, today I have six grandchildren, three from my son and three from my stepdaughter. Those children range in age from 11 to 32. So I've had quite the experience. So they're very aware of who you are and what you're doing because they're of the age where they can understand that their grandmother has a life outside of being grandma to them. Yes. And at the same time, family is so important to me. And so I make sure to have a relationship with each of my grandchildren, some more than others. I took my 11-year-old grandson on a road trip this last summer, took his older brother on a trip to New York and Boston two years earlier, and I tried to do things with the others as much as possible. So I do want to be someone in their lives that they can look at and say, Grandma did it. Right. She had a lot of issues, but she did it. She (laughs) was able to have a life that was as purposeful, and she shared it with us. I just want them to be able to see, especially my granddaughters, Hmm. how a woman can be on her own. And I've been on my own for the last nine years now, how a woman can be on her own and not just survive, but thrive. That's a precious thing to pass on. And I wanted to ask you, did becoming a grandmother change anything for you in your approach to what you were doing? Did it have an impact? Well, I think you think about those grandchildren and what they're watching as they grow up. And so you want to be a good role model. And you want them to know that it isn't just about the money, that it's about people and the community and the life you lead. Having grandchildren, which is an absolutely wonderful thing. There's nothing like spending time with a grandchild and then leaving. And so, <laughs> right, you know, 
<laughs> it's just a very special kind of relationship, right? And so, you know, you want to impart the lessons that you've learned from life in a way that is actionable, not lecturing. As I, as you're asking this question, I'm thinking, I realize that just as I've learned so much in how to work with people that I do business with, I've learned so much about children and grandchildren. And if I had to do it all over again, for my grandchildren I'm talking about, there's many things I would do differently. I want to impart to them not just the love and caring that I have and the interest in, in, in them as human beings, but help them do some of the things that I like. I, you know, I might serve at a soup kitchen. I'd like to take my grandchild with me. Right. Uh, you know, those kinds of things that help yeah. them really see how you do good in this world. And it just can be very small and, and one thing at a time. And I have done some of that with them over the years, but not as much as I'd like. I think every moment with one's grandmother like that, though, leaves an indelible impression. I want to try and infuse a little ingenuinely, but I am authentically, truly interested. I want to try and fuse grandmotherhood and grandmothers and older women and this world of entrepreneurship and business. Doing this podcast is an unfolding education, which is that when I speak to activist grandmothers, they actually see this moniker as a, an important political statement, a powerful identity from which to claim expertise and wisdom and a place in the public dialogue around the environment around gun violence, around a host of issues that affect their grandchildren and future generations. They see grandmotherhood as a powerful political identity. And in the world that you move in, and as a grandmother yourself, I wonder what you think about all of that. Yes, I think it's a loaded question. <laughs> oh, you're, right. you're right to ask it. It's loaded because women have struggled so to just be recognized for the successful professional person they are. And children and grandchildren in our world today can too often take that away from them, from the perspective of others. And so it's a very separate piece. Now, I know a wonderful organization called We Will. It started out as Moms and Babies. These are all highly professional women who, with their children, attend conferences on political activity and activism. And you go to the women's marches and you see women with their children and, and grandchildren in tow, carrying signs. It's a thing of beauty. So I'd like to think it's changing. My generation, I don't know. There's no question that we are doing good. We are working for AIDS. We are working to for mental health and abuse and uh, domestic violence. And we care and we belong to organizations that have advocacy as in part of their names. I belong to the National Association of Women Business Owners and the Small Business Advocacy Council. But do we bring our children to those meetings? No. Do we talk to our grandchildren about those meetings? Not really. I keep trying to picture a woman CEO just standing up and saying, as a grandmother, yes. uh, dot, 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 and everyone thinking, okay, we better listen now. Yes, you can say that, but you would never bring your grandchild to that meeting. Quite truthfully, my own experience is that as I am aging, younger women really want to work with me. And, you know, we talk about the children and the grandchildren. I think that if women would not be afraid to speak up about 
this important piece of their lives and the legacies that we can leave if we do speak up about it, then I think we're moving in the right direction, Alana. I really do. The notion of grandmothers as wise and worldly and active is what we want to see out there. We're a big part of the population, right? Yeah. So, yeah, and an important part. So it, I, I think it's just great what you're doing. I love your podcast. Oh, thank you so much. Well, as I was reading about you, Gail, learning just the tip of the iceberg, I felt about all that you've done and all that you know, I felt like I could spend hours speaking to you in the guise of an interview. <laughs> but really just to benefit from extraordinary life that you've lived and how much you've created and how vital you continue to be in it. I'm a great that you were able to give me the time to share some of it with us. Oh, you're so very welcome. The pleasure, believe me, was all mine. Thanks for listening. I'm Ilana Lansberg-Lewis, your host of Grandmothers on the Move. If you want to find out more about me or the podcast, go to grandmothersonthemove.com and come back next week for another episode.